Welcome to Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the Yanks, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, and I'm your host, Don. Thanks for listening. Today, I'll be talking about Rutgers stomping Wagner 66-7 to open the season 2-0, and the Yankees show small signs of life, but they still suck ball. So let's go ahead and get started. So I'm going to go ahead and get started talking about Rutgers football on Saturday, Rutgers crushed Wagner. The Seahawks, 66-7. to um, It was the 2022 home opener in front of what was kind of a decent crowd and kind of a new look for the tailgate area, which was really nice. Rutgers introduced this Rutgers boardwalk, quote-unquote. That's what they called it. It was an area where you walk into Rutgers Stadium, and they had set up cool little rides for the kids and areas to buy things and get some food, and the kids were having a lot of fun. They had music and bands and Lots of people cheering, and of course, the uh, the little parade that goes down the walkway there happened again with uh, all the cheerleaders and the band, and the area was, it was really a big success. The day was very hot, um, but people had a lot of fun, a lot of kids going on rides and taking pictures with the, the Scarlet Knight and with horses, and all kinds of fun was had. It was a pretty decent crowd, all in all. Uh, it took a while to get there. A little late arriving crowd, I would say. Um, but eventually, by the end, it was it was a pretty big crowd. They ended up announcing forty seven thousand, but it didn't seem like there were that many people there. But most of the lower deck was filled, and it seemed pretty good. And uh, Rutgers uh, ended up handling uh, what is a lower team in Wagner with no problems. They started out strong. And ended the first quarter up 28 <clears throat> and uh, kind of cruised on there for a 66-7 to win. But uh, I am joined today with a very special guest. Hello. Hello. It's my son, Matthew. And Matt uh, was at the game with me. And uh, Matt, what did you think of uh, the boardwalk and the atmosphere at the Rutgers game compared to some other games? I mean, like, from the second we got there, it seemed like right away that the energy level was up. Um, it seemed that people were more excited to be there. Yeah. It kind of confused me because, like, the second we got in the stadium, it didn't seem like, it just seemed like the energy disappeared. It seemed like it was gone. It was weird. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt the same way. I mean, it got a little better as the game went on, but, you know, maybe it's a matter of we need to get find a way to get the fans in earlier, right? Because, like, when you exactly what you said, when you walk in, it's everything great outside, and people are cheering, and there's bands, and then you walk in, and like, there's like three quarters of the stadium's empty, right? And it's quiet, and they're trying to blare stuff over the speakers to fire up the fans before the game, but you know, there's like six people listening to it, so not a lot to get you going. Um, yeah, so I mean, outside of that, and, and um, Little uh, inside baseball. Our our group usually is in the blue lot, and this this time we got to go to the yellow lot. And if there's any Rutgers fans, you know those are pretty cool lots. And the yellow lot was was pretty good. It's very close to the stadium, and we got very um, a good views of the Rutgers boardwalk and uh, a much closer walk and an easier exit too. Um, as far as the game, Matt, right? So. Um, Rutgers uh, continued this silly, in my mind, rotation of quarterbacks, Wimsat and Simon. Uh, one series, one series, one series. But in spite of that, which I don't like, they had no problems, um, you know, driving up and down the field. Uh, what were your impressions of the two quarterbacks as they were in there? Wimsat needs to work on his decision-making, it seemed to me. Um, 
he was throwing balls that shouldn't have been thrown, and then other times where he could have just tucked it and ran, and he didn't do that. I feel like he needs to work on that. Yeah, I think Simon looks pretty decent from what I saw. To be honest, he might be he might be the man. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I thought he was getting the job done though. Like he did. And we needed to deliver a pass. I thought he just stepped right in the pocket and delivered the ball. And that was my take too. He looked accurate. Um, and I would also agree with what you said on Wimsat. I think he needs to work on his progression. He certainly doesn't always look far enough sometimes. And as you said, sometimes it's too long and he's got a lean to run in and ends up, you know, he had that one terrible, terrible interception. And I think Matt, you and me both were just holding our heads shaking. Where is he throwing that ball? And I haven't seen it on TV yet. I haven't looked at the replay, but as, as Matt and me were watching that play unfold, uh, basically it was a play where there was some pressure. Wimsat took off. He went to the right side and he had all kinds of room. And then at the last second, as he's approaching the line of scrimmage, threw a ball way downfield to a guy that was double covered and it really wasn't anywhere near him. And so I think, I think what Matt said is right in that he needs to work on, you know, his progressions and, and getting the ball out on time and making better decision-making. Now the kid is only 18. He's got three more years with Rutgers after this year. Um, he certainly has some tools. He's got, you know, really elite arm strength. Now the accuracy we're going to have to see, but uh, he threw that one touchdown pass. The first one it was pretty awesome, right? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Fired me up. Yeah. It was a really good way to get the uh, game started. And what a catch. Um, I forget the receiver's name at the moment now, but one-handed catch. Very nice. I thought he was down. Yeah, he I did. He, was down, but. he did look down on the replay. They they had to, of course, stop it. The receiver made a one-handed catch. The knee seemed to come down when the ball was maybe a foot prior to the goal line. But, hey, you know. Remember Langan throwing that thing down the field? And Langan. had a pass down there. Langan, a little bit underthrown, but, you know, the, the defender jumped up a little too soon. And, uh, yeah, that was the case of playing a slightly overwhelmed opponent. But, yeah, Langan even had a long – when you had three different quarterbacks throw 35 or 40-yard touchdown passes in the same game, in the same half, um, yeah, you're having a good game. So, we had – Simon throw a long touchdown pass. Wimsat throw a long touchdown pass, and Johnny Langan throw a long touchdown pass. All in the first half. Those are good times. Good times. Now um, our kicker in game one missed an extra point, and this is not the NFL extra point where you're taking thirty three yard field goals. This is you snap the ball from the three yard line, and he missed the extra point in game week one against Boston College, and we still won by one. And then this week he missed a short field goal, even though he hit a long one, 49. He has a decent leg. Um, I don't know, Matt. I have some concerns about kicker, especially since I kind of have the heebie-jeebies from last year and a couple times where he could have beaten Michigan and our kickers have blown kicks in the past. So um, what what are your thoughts on our kicker so far? Do you think it's too early to tell? He was putting the ball in the end zone off kickoffs. Strong leg, I guess. But Yeah, that's true. He did kick one out of bounds towards the end of the game. Um, oh, yeah. I, I did miss an easy field goal and then later made a further field goal. So I don't really know how to feel about that. It's interesting. Yeah. It's hard because as a fan, you want to be very confident in your kicker. You don't want to, you know, have a normal 35-yard field goal and not really know if he's going to make it. And 
you know, I got a feel now in two weeks if we're playing Iowa at home and it comes down to a field goal with 10 seconds left and it's 35 or 40 yards, I'm not going to be confident that he's going to make it. And that's that's not how you should feel. I mean, there's probably a large number of high school kickers all over the country that Rutgers could get. And I feel like they could at least be consistent. Maybe they can't hit 55 yarders or something, but you want consistency in your kickers. You don't want to kick them out of bounds. Also, I want to say thanks to Matt, who has to take off. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. All right. See you later. Good to hear from you. So as we continue here, um, our kicker has problems. We do um, have Temple next week, so there's a very good chance uh, to go 3-0 for Rutgers. Even though our kicker has problems, we continue to have a strong rushing game and a number of good running backs, I feel. Kyle Manungai is really strong. And I, I think we have uh, Salam and, and some other good backups. I, I think there's no problems whatsoever, you know, in the running game. We seem to be really able to produce <clears throat> good running backs all the time, which which is great at Rutgers, and it's a good feeling. I appreciate how Manungai maximizes the yards that he gets all the time. Um, and, you know, he's not one of these people that will – deke in the hole and end up, you know, turning a potential five-yard game into a one-yard gain, five-yard gain, uh, or, you know, in, in the backfield, you know, attempt to make six moves and lose five yards instead of just putting his head down and maybe losing one or getting no yards. He is a person that, <clears throat> unlike some prior good running backs, you know, both in the NFL and in Rutgers, you know, Pacheco did this and even Barkley on the Giants does it, where, you just need to sometimes take that three-yard three, three yard gain, right, and not try to always make everything a 90-yard game. And I think Manungai personifies that, right? If you're going to want to look at a running back that actually does that and, and really, really, you know, maximizes every game, puts his head down, he can make moves and he can beat people and he's got some speed, but he doesn't, you know, act in a way where, you know, he's going to lose yards when he shouldn't. And it's really a great trait in a running back and something that I think, you know, I, I wish more running backs had. So he's great. And I think Salam is coming along okay. And and we have a number of other good running backs too. That is not a problem. So that was good to see. Again, I, I really, really wish with the quarterbacks that um, Shiano or Gleason, whoever's deciding this, would just friggin' play Wimsat for a half. Right. Just let's see him. This was Wagner. I mean, I could have played quarterback today against Wagner yesterday, excuse me, and we would have won that game by 30 points. Like it was Wagner. Seriously, it didn't matter what we did. We did not need to change quarterbacks every single series. Put Wimsat in for the first half and Simon in for the second. Or put Simon in for the first half and put Wimsat in for the second. Let's see some consistent throws. After Wimsat made that terrible interception, I wanted to see him come out on the next series. You know, see if he can correct himself. Let's see if what his mental state is. Can he come out and then, you know, make better decisions? But, you know, this consistent inconsistency of quarterback play, and, you know, in this cadence is not helpful to anyone. It's certainly not helpful to anyone's development. And against Wagner, there was absolutely no reason not to play one quarterback and a half and another quarterback, you know, in the second half. In any case, um, that's probably not going to change and it's going to get worse once Vedral ends up coming back. It was still <clears throat> a really good performance by a Rutgers team against a, you know, subpar opponent here. So uh, 2-0 is 2-0 and, and I will take it. And um, it was good to see. Like I said, we have Temple next week on the road, which will not be like this. Um, 
A, it's a road game. B, Temple is certainly a big level up from Wagner, even if it is a game that we will be favored by a pretty big margin, and hopefully we should win. Now, next week, unlike this week, we can't mess around as much and just call it a development game because there is a chance we could lose that, even though uh, God help us if we do. Um, so 3 now. And then after that, we get, in week four, a very shaky-looking Iowa team. As the season started, I would have said, Iowa week four, oh, God help us. Um, you know, they've been a top-ten team consistently the last couple of years, but they looked very, very shaky <clears throat> their first, you know, two starts. Um, they they lost on Saturday, and then the, in week one, they actually won against South Dakota State 7-3, to three scoring their seven points with a field goal and two safeties. So they look like a beatable team. Um, I'm kind of hoping they win this next week because if they end up going one and two, they're going to be looking for some vengeance and some pound of flesh when they get to Rutgers Stadium on September 24th. But that's a game I'll be looking to if Rutgers beats Temple next week. So a 3-0 and start is looking very, very possible and, dare I say, even probable. Uh, so it's, it's a good start. There's certainly some things to work on. Uh, in my mind, coaching is part of it. Certainly Wimsat needs to develop a little more, but it's a good start to the Rutgers season. It was a good crowd and it's the way to go, man. We're looking forward to keeping, you know, the Rutgers football program on the upswing. Um, and that's it for Rutgers piece of this podcast. I'm going to go ahead and talk briefly about the Yanks for a moment here. So, a brief bit about the Yanks. The Yanks on Saturday actually got lots of hits and actually scored a few runs against the Rays. whoop de friggin do It doesn't matter. The Yanks still suck big balls. And really, that's it. I, I got to tell you, you know, it's funny. Watching the Yanks, and they're walking wounded, and even when they're healthy, you know, it, it's hard to have any positivity toward this team at this point. And Compared to how the team was in the first half, it's such a letdown. Tyone had a great game. The Yanks finally strung some hits together, and they scored a lot of runs and got a lot of hits. But it's just a tough thing to watch. You know, they had Derek Jeter Day the the other day, the other night, and and then they played a disaster of a game. They had to pull Hicks from the game because he was such a friggin' disaster. Struck out twice, misplayed two balls in the outfield. He is a train wreck. Hicks' career is over. I'm sorry. You know, another awful, awful Cashman move. And it's just, I know that the fans' emotions with the Yankees go up and down based on what happened the last game half the time, right? And so, yay, the Yankees scored a few runs. Probably today they'll get shut out or something. Today is Sunday when I'm recording this. It's just a tough watch for the Yankees. Um, They still suck big balls, and um, we're going to see if they can actually hang on to even, you know, still win this division after all this time. They have some tough games coming up. Uh, they still got to play the Red Sox after the Rays here, and, you know, that should be interesting to see. But, you know, them scoring a few runs doesn't doesn't really help anything. You know, they have, you know, Volpe that they could bring up. They have Andujar that they should be playing every day. And I guarantee you, as soon as some of these terrible starters get back on the field— all of the, you know, young kids will, will not play anymore because we must continue to go with the lineup, you know, that is old and not performing no matter what. That is the, the Yankee way. It is a tough way to look at things, but it's, you know, 
you feel shell-shocked watching the Yanks over time, right? You get beaten down watching this team do the same thing year after year after year. And you watch Boone make the same stupid decisions year after year after year. And then you watch some players degrade. Chapman is not, you know, what we used to have. And Stanton, I don't know if he's ever really been any good for the Yanks, except for, you know, periods of streakiness, right? The first month or two of this year, you know, a decent streak last year. But but other than these one to two month streaks for Stanton, for $30 million a year, it's just not enough. We can't have four to seven week streaks of great play for $30 million. And I'd say the same about Garrett Cole, right? You pay someone that much money, you need more than streaks of brilliance. You need consistent, good to great play for a $30 million a year player. And we're not getting that throughout the whole damn lineup. Hicks is a waste. And some of these pitchers have been have been wastes. And, and obviously, when you couple that with just a myriad of injuries, um, just it's insanity, you end up with a team that is basically falling across the finish line here in the Yanks. And it's going to be an interesting finish. Um, and I will say this now on September 11th, it's not going to matter one way or the other what happens from now until the end of the season. The Yankees are not not winning a World Series this year, guys. So I hope you don't have your hopes up. And I hope I'm wrong. I mean, that would be great if they do. Uh, but I'm, I'm telling you, the folks that are just looking at the pie-in-the-sky stuff, it is not happening. It is not happening. Between, you know, Ben and Tendy being out, hurt, and DJ is hurt, and Stanton is either hurt or he's not, but he sucks anyway lately. Rizzo is either hurt or he's not. I don't know. He's got one injury after another. We haven't even seen this Montgomery return trade Bader yet because he's still hurt. Between the injuries, you know, Nestor's still out. You know, we've lost King for the year. And I can go on and on. on. I'm not going to. Everyone's hurt. And even if they weren't, they, you know, the team still sucks and continues to do what it did, you know, all the previous years, which is, not get singles in, in in big, you know, spots, not being able to push runs across without a home run, and not getting con- consistent pitching when it matters, except for the first half of this year. So I'm sorry to break it to everyone. The Yankees are not winning the World Series this year. I would appreciate a, a playoff series win. Two would be spectacular. I, I'm telling you, it's just they're not built right. It's Cashman's fault. And this team is not built right to win. And it doesn't help when you have a manager that just is just a disaster. So um, I really hope I'm wrong. And I really want the Yankees to break this this streak of looking like they're looking. And, hey, maybe I'm wrong. That would be wonderful. I would love a World Series win. We need one. In any case, um, we hope we do well. I'm more excited about Rutgers, though. And later today, the Giants open up. So that should be another interesting uh item to discuss uh, as the weeks go forward here. So go G-Men and go Yanks and go Rockers. And that's all I have for today. So I want to thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. Please subscribe to the podcast uh, and tell your friends all about it, please. I'll be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks and have a good day. <laughs>